Nehemiah chapter 10, everybody. That's where we're going this morning. Nehemiah chapter 10. I'm going to try to preach seated again so I can be a good boy for another week before I really get to running. I don't like to preach seated. (laughs) I think I need to, so. Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. Look at this with me. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nethanim, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding, These joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do. Somebody say, observe and do. Come on, say it again. Observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his ordinances, and his statutes. Drop down to verse 39 of chapter 10. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of our God. I love that last, that last line of this scripture. I want you to say it with me. We will not neglect the house of our God. Thank you for your word today, Father. It brings the light that we need for the path that you have for us. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray that today your, your word would illuminate onto the path. Lead us and guide us by your word. Transform us by your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A man was shopping for a parrot on Craigslist recently. And he found one super cheap. So he decided to buy it. It was a beautiful bird, but just minutes after he got this bird home, he realized why the purchase price was so low. He was a foul-mouthed parrot. This parrot could swear for five minutes straight and never repeat himself. The man was embarrassed because the bird was driving him crazy in front of people. He tried to reason with the bird by asking him to please clean up your language. The parrot promised to change, but he never did change. In fact, his swearing got worse. The swearing increased in volume and frequency. Finally got to be just too much. So the man grabbed the bird by the throat and started shaking him and and yelling at him. And he said, stop it. This just made the bird angrier, and he swore all the more. So the man was furious. He locked the bird up in the kitchen cabinet. Well, 
This really aggravated the, the bird, and he started clawing and scratching and swearing, making all kinds of racket. So the man finally lets him out of the kitchen cabinet. That didn't work, and the parrot let loose a stream of swear words that made the man blush. Now at his wit's end, the man threw the bird in the freezer. Threw the bird in the freezer and slammed the door shut. For the first few seconds, the bird squawked and screamed and swore some more, thrashed about a little bit, and then, well, there was silence. At first, the guy just waited, and then he started to wonder if the bird was hurt. After a couple of minutes of silence, the man cautiously opened the freezer door, and the bird calmly climbed onto the man's outstretched arm and said, I'm really sorry for all the trouble I've been giving you lately, threw up his wing and said, I solemnly promise and make a vow to you to clean up my language from this moment on. Well, the man was astounded. He couldn't believe the transformation that had come over the parrot as a result of just a few minutes in the freezer. The parrot then turned to the man and said, I just have one question. What in the world did the chicken do? <laughs> the parrot made a vow that day to clean up his act and to clean up his language. I want to talk to you today about making a vow, an oath, a holy promise unto God. You know, making a vow is serious business, especially when it comes to making a vow unto God. In chapter 9 of Nehemiah, the people repented and confessed their sins. They prayed to God in chapter 9. Now here we are in chapter 10, and they're actually acting on these prayers. They're making a covenant with God. They made a vow. They took a, an oath. They are making a holy promise unto God. The people in Nehemiah's day were committed to the cause. I've entitled this message today, Committed to the Cause. Nehemiah and the people have been working for, for many, many days now, rebuilding and repairing what had been destroyed and damaged. Now here they are at a critical juncture, and they committed to take it all the way. They were committed to the cause that God had birthed in Nehemiah working on the wall, building the wall, repairing the wall. And they said these words, we will not neglect the house of our God. I really, really love that. Underline that in your Bible if you have a pen or a highlighter. We will not neglect the house of our God. I believe that we need more commitment in our world today. Who would say amen? 
We need more commitment in our society today. Many start off strong, but very few finish strong. Some don't finish at all. It's not enough that we start the race. We must also finish the race, and finishing takes commitment. But too many are afraid to commit. This way they won't be obligated. If you commit to something, I believe you need to follow it through. Amen? But if you fail to commit, oh, I'm not going to sign up for that. That way if I don't show up, they'll never meet me. I want to meet you. I want you signing up. I said to the members, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've said to the members as they've come through membership class, now you really, you really, uh, you have signed on the dotted line. <laughs> and I'm looking for you. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you stay committed. I want you to be obligated. I want to say to the pastors on Monday morning staff meeting, I wonder where so-and-so was because they said they were going to do such and such. People just back away from commitment. So many want to be free to do whatever they decide to do at any given moment instead of committing to the cause, the cause of Christ, the work of God, the building of his kingdom. How many believe that Jesus is actually going to come again? Marv, do you still believe it? You've believed it a good while, haven't you, sir? You still believe it today, though, don't you? Absolutely. I say this, and you, you might say, what's he talking about? Doesn't all, don't all Christians believe in the, in the coming of Christ? You'd be surprised. There are some so-called Christians that don't even believe that that. A rapture is going to happen. But I want this to be real clear today. I believe, we believe, this church believes that Jesus is in fact coming again. Oh, come on, somebody, if you really believe it today. Hey! Let me ask part two of the question. Do you believe that it might be soon? Now, the Bible's very clear. No man knows the day. Nobody knows the hour. God himself is going to summon his son at the moment, you know. We don't know when, but it, the Bible also says there will be signs to look for, and I think we are starting to see some of the signs. I believe that Jesus is coming. I believe it could be soon. So what does that mean for us? That me means there's a whole lot of work to do. And God's looking for somebody, a group of somebodies, who will say, you can count on me, Father. You can count on me, God. I'm all in, and I am committed to the cause. I wonder, is there anybody here today that's committed to the cause of Christ, committed to the work of God, committed to reaching the lost, committed to building his church and building his kingdom? Is there anybody here today? Committed to the cause. A soldier in Afghanistan received a Dear John letter from his girlfriend saying she was breaking up with him. He got with a group of his friends and collected all their girlfriend's pictures. He sent all of these pictures to his 
girlfriend and said, I'm sorry, I don't remember which one of these girls you are, so please pick out your picture and send the rest back to me. I'm going to say this again. Our society needs more commitment. We need, <laughs> we need more commitment in our society. We need more commitment in our marriages. Now, y'all could help me preach this today if you'd like. We need more commitment in our marriages. It's not enough to say, I love you, baby. And you want all the benefits of marriage without the commitment. If you really love her, put a ring on it. Hey! Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> Let me preach a little Beyonce for you today. If you love her, put a ring on it. Get committed. That's where the umbrella of God's blessing is. Stan and Sue... I was so honored yesterday to pronounce holy matrimony over your son and his new bride, Robin. David and Robin Udell. What a great day. And this couple, let me tell you something. This couple kept themselves pure and came to the altar each as virgins. I think it needs to be highlighted, it needs to be promoted, and it needs to be applauded. I really do. I think it's amazing. It says something about commitment, church. We need more commitment in our society, in our marriages, in our homes, in our ministries, in the pulpit, in the church. Come on, somebody. We need commitment to the cause of Christ. One older gentleman came to prayer meeting week after week, and he would cry out in prayer, Lord, clean out the cobwebs of my life. Lord, clean out the cobwebs of my life. Over and over again, he would repeat this phrase. Finally, one man got so tired of hearing him say this, he went over and laid his hands on the man's shoulder, and he prayed, Lord, don't just clean out the cobwebs. Lord, kill that spider. <laughs> we got to take it all the way, church. We need commitment in our society today. We need commitment in our churches today. There are three aspects of commitment that I want you to jot down. Three aspects of commitment. First of all, they were committed to submission. They were committed to submission. Submission is the act of submitting. Excuse me for being overly simple, perhaps. It's just submitting. What is submitting? Submitting is to give over or yield to the power or authority of another. To submit. It's to give over or yield to the power or authority of of another. There will always be somebody over you. You do realize that. 
whether it is a family figure, a, a, a parent perhaps, teenager, listen to me. Don't get rebellious. My God, I'm going to get off the scale for this one. <laughs> listen to me for a moment. Don't get rebellious in your teen years just because society says you're going to get rebellious. I think you can be pure and holy and you don't have to, uh, you don't have to rebel. You can submit to mom and dad. They are an authority figure on purpose, ordained by God. Submit. Submit to those in authority. There'll be somebody over us all the time. You've got somebody as a boss, perhaps, a supervisor, a manager. You don't always have to be in control. They were committed to submission. First of all, they submitted to leadership. There's 84 people that signed on the dotted line here in chapter 10. 84 people listed, which represents a whole lot more people because they're representing the priests, the singers, the Nethanim, the Levites. Then it goes on. Nehemiah, I like this, Nehemiah's name was the very first name on the list. Verse number one of chapter 10. Then following is a whole host of other people who were just saying, we're with you, Nehemiah. We're with you. We're going to submit to you and your leadership. You know what destroys so many churches? One person or a, a small group over here saying, we're not going to follow you. Listen, I'm not all that, but I am the man that God appointed to pastor this church at this time. And I know that. So I rest in that. And if you're going to call the comma Christian syndrome, along with this, what, dozen people, I don't know how many came through, but my goodness, it's exciting. I love it, guys. I love it, gentlemen. I love, love, love it. Then you have to submit. You have to follow the leader. Because we're not going to have fragments. We're just not. Listen, we have worked too hard as a church to come together in harmony and in unity to let the enemy try to destroy that. have the best group of pastors, the most amazing group of board around me right now. The top tier at La Palma is united and tight. That doesn't mean that we agree uh, on everything necessarily. We could agree to disagree from time to time. That's rare anymore. Right, Stacy? Where you at? <laughs> I, I love him. He knows, he knows I love him. what happens. See, it's talking about the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers. You get one gatekeeper over here saying, I think we could do it a better way. Talk, you know, talking to one of the ears of, a, of a, another important leader, perhaps, one of the board members. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. But God help us here at La Palma Christian Center to stay committed to leadership. Amen? 
and pray for me that I hear God. How many are praying for your pastor? I thought so. I felt that. I felt your prayers over these last two weeks. Thank you. And I want to pledge to you to do my best to lead you appropriately into what I, I hear God saying and what I see God doing. He's showing, listen to me, he's showing me a dam that is breaking. A dam that he is going to break fully in 2015, but I already hear the cracks, hallelujah. I already see the signs. There's already little bits of water coming through the dam. It won't be long before the whole wall comes down. I see this, and I'm believing that God is going to pour out his spirit in such a mighty, mighty way here, and I need some people to get submitted and committed to leadership. They submitted themselves to leadership. They submitted themselves to the law. Look at verse 29. These joined together with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. Now this is interesting. This is how important a vow is. A promise, a holy promise. When you make this commitment to God... And as long as you are keeping this vow, you are under the umbrella of the blessing. When you break the vow, you step out from under that. And just by your choice, then you are vulnerable for attack and the curse that is on the world. You're wandering over here with your head up, drowning from the rain and wondering why God doesn't protect you. And all you have to do is submit yourself again to the law, to the Word of God, and how the Word of God tells you to live instead of how you think you ought to live. Come on now. Then you go, oh, I'm drying off again. Well, yeah, because guess what? The Word of God is going to protect you, and it's going, you'll be under the umbrella of God's blessing again. It says a, a curse or an oath, a curse and an oath, right? Look at that. Verse number 29. I want everywhere I go, I want the blessing of God because I want to go where God is going. I don't want God to go where I think he needs to go or where I want to go. I want to go where God says to go and where God moves, I want to move. And when God stands still, I want to stand still. Come on, somebody. That's how important this book that I'm holding in my hand is. Are you submitted to the word of God? You see, God gave his word for our benefit. God gave his word to give instruction. God gave his word to give guidance. God gave his word to give correction. It's high time for the word of God to bring some correction in our lives. If we're not doing something in accordance to God's word and the blessing that he promises because of the word, it should be corrected. I love that Pastor Dave brought the focus and the importance of God's word to us last week as he preached out of Nehemiah chapter 8. How many remember what Pastor Dave preached last week? I see how important that is, Pastor? Let me tell you something. This little teaching moment for you. This congregation remembered what you preached. You gave them three letters to remember, and it said RUD. What does RUD stand for? 
You see how important this is, Pastor Dave? They got it. To read it, to understand it, and to do it. How many have that piece of paper tucked in your Bible? Look, she's holding hers up right back here. I want, this is a great teaching moment for you. My dad has his right there. I love this. What a great, great job of presenting the word in a way that the people are going to remember it and understand it and hide it in their heart. Congratulations on a great job. I love that. But church, if you're not submitted to this book, it's not going to work. And it's not a book that has gone out of date and out of style. And I don't think we need to rephrase it and rework it. I think the Word of God can still work for us. How many believe that today? Those who were wise understood it that day. Look at verse 28. Everyone who had knowledge and everybody who had understanding, they understood that it's a wise thing to submit yourself to the Word of God. God, give us wisdom today to understand that we also should submit ourselves to the law. They committed themselves to submission. They committed themselves to separation. Look at verse number 28. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nephilim, all of them who had separated themselves. There was a separation that happened that day. And the separation was twofold. First of all, they separated themselves from the world. Separation from the world. All those, bring up 28 for me again, please. All those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land. Stop. They separated themselves from the world and the people of the world. The neighboring people were always trying to get the Jews to adapt to their customs, to their culture, and to their way of living. But they refused to give in to the pressure to conform, and they stayed separated. This is Old Testament, I understand. But it reminds me of something that I read in the New Testament. Oh, I wonder if we could find 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 17 and bring that up for the people today. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. It's it's an Old Testament principle, yes, but it also is a New Testament principle. And I will tell you this, it still is a principle for today. We are to separate ourselves from the world. And sadly, there are far too many Christians, so-called, they blend into the wallpaper and you would never know them from anybody in the world. You wouldn't know that they were Christian by their conduct. You wouldn't know they were Christian by their language. We are to be in the world, yes, that's how we reach the world, but we're not to be of the world. Do not conform to this world, Romans 12, 1 instructs us. But be, come on somebody, say transformed. 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're not to conform to the world. We're to come out from among the world and be separate. That means you may risk being a target. Did you know that? You make known that you're a Christian in a non-Christian environment. Now, I'm, I'm really blessed. I'm surrounded by mostly Christians in the workplace. <laughs> We're praying for a few of those. No. I have an amazing group of, of sold-out, spirit-filled Christians, right? But I know you are working in, a, probably many of you are working in a mostly non-Christian environment. How many would say, yes, I'm working in a mostly non-Christian environment? Yeah, that's tough. So then draw that line. Cindy, I'm not going to report you to the district. Rick, where's, where's the Cindy? Rick, we're praying for Cindy. To take that stand and say, uh, hey, boys, I, you know, I'm a Christian. Jay's nodding his head. I know, man. I pray for you. Because I think you're a bit of a Trojan horse, really. That God is just bringing you in covertly under the radar so his light can shine through you in very dark environments. Right? I'm sure you do, man. But I don't want the influence of the world to be stronger than your influence for Christ. See, there's that balance, isn't there, church? We're to come out from among them and be separate and to let his light shine through us takes a separation from the world, but then if we're separated from the world, then where are we going to attach? See, we're separating from something, we have to separate to something. They separated from the world, and they separated to the Lord. All those who had separated themselves from the world, from the peoples of the land, to the law of God. Be sure that you are connected. I'm talking at all times. You need to stay connected. You, you need to stay connected. Where you at, Jerry? I heard an amen. Right? It's, it's just critical. We never know when an emergency situation will arise. You're, you're one phone call away from tragedy. Possibly. Right? My second father, really, his name is Dick Burchell. You've probably met some of the Burchells. You've certainly met my, my youngest sister. Many of you met my youngest sister, Beth Burchell, and her husband, Rick. Rick's father took a fall this weekend and shattered his femur up by his hip, shattered his elbow. It was over 15 feet that he fell onto just almost like concrete. It was such a dry ground. It was like concrete, shattering his elbow, shattering his femur up by his hip head injuries, a few spinal fractures, I'm telling you, you are one instant away. You won't have time to go and connect at that moment. You've got to stay connected now. You have to stay committed now and stay fueled and full now. Separate from the world, separate to the Lord and to the word of the Lord. As they separated themselves and committed themselves to God's word, Pastor Dave, that translated to a commitment specific in their lives, everyday living. 
They committed themselves to the Word of God, which is what you've encouraged us to do last week. Read it, understand it, do it. As they committed themselves to God's Word, it translated to committing themselves committing themselves to, to marriage, let's say. Verse number 30 says they would not give them their daughters as wives to the people of the land, nor would they take their daughters for our sons. That commitment to the Word of God brought a commitment to marriage. Their commitment to the law brought a commitment to the Sabbath day. Verse 31, if the peoples of the land brought wares or grains to sell on the Sabbath day, we would not buy that from them. Not on the Sabbath day, nor on any other holy day. We would forego the seventh year's produce and the exacting of every debt. Separate yourself to God. Separate yourself from the world. They were committed to this. Finally, they were committed to support. Talking about a commitment to the cause today. As we see in Nehemiah, their commitment was strong. And they put their money where their mouth was. You can say you're committed all you want. But what about when the offering basket is passed? Oh, come on now. They committed themselves to the cause and were willing to put the money where the mouth was. If you have nice things in your home, you should want nice things in the house of God. I love what has happened over the last several weeks, last couple of months. There's been a transformation. We had a dream and a, a, a seed of a vision for renovating this house. By the way, in two weeks from today, we are going to have a rededication service for this sanctuary. I don't want you to miss it. You have to be here. Pastor Ray Rachels is going to be here. It's going to be awesome. But we had a seed, and the board and I talked about this. Is it time to renovate? Yes, we thought it was. So we brought it to you, and together, almost 100% of the voice of the body said, yes, let's do this. We have decided to renovate this sanctuary. But we're not finished. We're certainly not finished on the financial end of things. And I want you to stay committed to supporting what God is doing here because he's bringing the people in. You can sense this when you walk in, can't you? You can sense that God is up to something great. Hopefully you're also starting to see the dam breaking and the little fractures already uh, beginning. God's not waiting until 2015. I believe we'll see a force of the flow, but it, I'm telling you, I see it already happening. Commit to support the work that God is doing here at La Palma Christian Center. Nehemiah and the people were committed to the support of the work of God. They gave to the temple tax. A temple tax, you, you can find that in verses 32 and 33. <clears throat> this was, a, this was a, a, a yearly offering that was given to, for the support of the house of God and the things of God. In other words, it was a special, it was a special uh, time of giving. It wasn't ongoing every week. We do that here from time to time. 
I would just say, I feel like we need to give for a certain cause. And thankfully, you respond with an overwhelming support. Keep supporting what God is doing. Because it's like planting seed in the ground. And you're going to need a harvest. Every day you need some kind of harvest. Wouldn't it be a tragedy to go out and try to pick some fruit? And there's no fruit on the tree? Or there's no tree even? Because you didn't bother to plant. You have to keep planting if you want to keep harvesting. And I promise you, I'm going to give you lots of opportunities to plant in good soil so you can continue to reap a good harvest. They gave to the temple tax. They gave to the wood offering, it was called, in verse number 34. We cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people for bringing the wood offering. This is, this is I love this. They, they brought wood a wood offering into the house of God according to our fathers' houses at the appointed time year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written. Now, they brought wood to keep the fire in the house of God. I wonder who would be willing to do whatever it took to keep the fire of God burning at La Palma Christian Church. Because there's a fire burning in this church. There's a fire burning here. And I want you to support, support the fire of God, the passion of God, the outpouring of God right here at La Palma Christian Center. They gave first fruits, another, another source of support that came from the people that day. Verses 35, 36, and 37, I'll leave that to, for you to read later. But this, this spells out, they brought the first fruit of their cattle, of their herds, of their flocks. They brought the first fruit of dough, of, of all kinds of trees, of fruit from every kind of tree, new wine. They brought first fruits of oil. They brought first fruits of everything you could imagine. Why? Because they wanted the rest to be blessed. You can't imagine how much literal fruit has been brought to my porch every year. Grapefruit, pomegranates, avocados, lemons, oranges. I mean, it, 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 it's, I love it. Persimmons. People in this church that will bring in the very first pickings of their trees. I love it. They want their avocado tree to be blessed. That's Uncle Bill. I'm so sad that he had to had to find another church closer to his house. If you've been missing Uncle Bill, we, we are aware of what's going on. He can't drive here anymore, and so he's he's not attending here anymore, but always will be a part of our, our hearts and part of this home. But he'd bring avocados, the very first avocados off of his tree. He would bring them to us. Why? He wants the he wants the rest to be blessed. If you want the rest to be blessed, be sure to bring God the first fruits. I'm 50 years old, and I still like when one of my sisters tucks in a little something something into the birthday card. Come on, how many like a little birthday love on your birthday? Come on, how many card shakers do we have out there? You know what I'm talking about. 
Andrew, if you want to have birthday money, keep coming to you, son. Be sure to tithe on that. Be sure to give a first fruit offering off of your birthday money because it still works. First fruits. A mentality that says, I have to give to God first. Before I enjoy anything, I have to give to God first. It leads me to the last area of support that came from the people. They supported in giving of the temple tax, the wood offering, the first fruits, and they gave tithe. Somebody say tithe. Come on and look at your neighbor and say tithe. Oh, that was prophetic right there for somebody. Hmm. Why is this such a big hurdle for, for so many in the church? The tithe. I believe it's clearly spelled out in the Old Testament. And I know there's some that that's where they camp out and say, well, there's the point, Pastor. It's just an Old Testament principle. Well, I believe it's clearly supported in the New Testament teaching as well. And I'll say this, I know that it works today. Old Testament principle supported in the New Testament, working still today. And I believe that a tithe, first of all, a tithe is just 10% of your income that is given off the top. Somebody say off the top. That's why I said to the barber, take a little off the top, and he got carried away. We've got to give God 10%. We should want to give God, but I don't believe this is negotiable. I believe this just belongs to God. When you really want that faucet to turn all the way open with God's hand, that's way beyond tithing. That's, that's the giving of the wood offering and the, just your offering. That's when the blessing can just overtake you. Tithing, that's just our due diligence. They gave in all of these areas, and they were blessed. Nehemiah and the people of God were committed to the cause. They were willing to go all the way for the work of the ministry committed to submission, they're committed to separation, and they're committed to support. I want you to bow your heads and pray. Their commitment was their way of saying, we will not neglect the house of our God. will not neglect the house of our God. could be soon. 
and we say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, yes. But there should be a part of us that says, if you could delay just a little longer, so my son would be saved, so my siblings would be saved. Come on, somebody, so my parents would know Christ. We should long for the return of Christ, but we should be pleading with him to hold off a little longer for the cause. How many know somebody right off the top of your head, you know that they're lost and they need Jesus? Let me see your hand. So what, what will you do about that? Are, are you committed to the cause? sang this song earlier, take these hands, and I give you my life. God, I'm super flawed, lots of insecurity, a whole mess of baggage that I bring, but I'm willing. I'm willing, and I want to be all in. I want you to count on me, God. Committed to the cause. Pastor Moses is going to start this song. And if you would say, yes, Pastor, I'm committed. God, you can count on me. As soon as he starts this song, if that's you and you're committed to the cause, I want you to stand to your feet as a testimony for God. Take these hands, I know they're empty, but with you they can Come on, let's commit today. be useful beauty in your perfect plan. Yes, All I am is yours. Let's sing that and commit our hands to him. Take these hands, God.
Father, you are good. Lord, we thank you for the provision that you give us. God, for making a way in our own lives. Lord, we pray that you would help us to surrender to you. Lord, to surrender to you this morning. God, the rest of this day and throughout this entire week, Father. Help us to look to you in every situation. Lord, help to remind us that it's only through your spirit that we can have the faith necessary to look to you when we 